0: This week's episode is brought to you by the league leading, unbeaten Edmonton Oilers. What the heck?
1: Safe to say, this top line is the best in the league.
0: Yeah, we are. (laughs) Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for October 13th, 2019, maybe 14 when you listen. I don't know your life. Coming up on the show, the Avs ace the opening homestand, if you were lucky enough to see it. And we'll talk about the roles played by various new faces along the way, plus a pretty scary week to come. But before we put the wish, you need to hear your disembodied voices. So um, hopefully the technical problems will go away soon. Say hello to Earl.
1: Hello, friends.
0: Joining us as usual is Jackie. Hello to you. Everything's wonderful. And showing up just in time for Earl's mic to start working properly was Rudo.
2: Made it. We in there.
0: I believe we'll be back on the mics next week. Uh, let's just, just to get that out of the way now. It's a packed week for the Avalanche and there will probably be breakdowns to break down. But before we can get there, would it be fair to say that we just watched the Avalanche get eight points from four completely different games?
3: Yes. Sure. Because
0: we had the game against Calgary on opening night where both teams were just pretty much like going as hard as possible. And maybe things weren't connecting perfectly because it's opening night. But like you had teams just going at it and playing hard and fast. And then on Saturday, you have a game against Minnesota that was really just kind of an outclassing. Mm-hmm. To, to be completely honest, like Minnesota didn't have much business being in that game at all um then the rust game against boston was what looked like two very good teams playing just kind of a chunky one where neither team played particularly great but you can tell they're both really good teams since taken swaths at each other and had a million weird goal situations and it wasn't even a tim peel joint but it was yeah. a really entertaining game and then arizona we all fell asleep until it finally got interesting in the third period
2: Yeah, the the Boston game was distinctly different, right? It's the only game they actually trailed in, and it was easily the best opponent. So I think that one stood out the most.
1: Yeah, that was a good test. I think that if you're going to measure how they might be able to do against some of the better teams they'll face in the next two weeks, um, this would give you the clue.
3: For me, that game was like textbook versus chaos. Well, just Boston's so structured and mature and they know what they're doing and I feel like up until the Arizona game, the abs have been playing very chaotic. And then I think it really came to a head against the Boston game because it they it in part, part of it was some of the rust for the inexplicable four days off. But just part of it that's just kind of the way they've been playing this season is kind of this high octane disorganized style, and I don't know if that's due to a lot of the new players or what is really going on. I guess we'll delve into that, but it was kind of like two different two opposing forces meeting each other in that game.
1: yeah I think people sort of sold the brew in short on how good their top line is compared to our top line. Um, I was looking at sort of the the matchup between McKinnon versus Marchand. And when they were both on the ice, you know, it was pretty grindy, kind of low event. And they they pretty much canceled each other out. And when either of those guys were on the ice without the other, you know, assuming that's against the lower lines, they they both just went nuts. I mean, they were were both sort of in the plus 12, minus two category as far as shot share. Um, while well, it was pretty even when they are against each other. So I, I think that was just sort of two really good teams and, and two really good first lines going against each other, and, and it just sort of came out as looking chunky.
2: Yeah, I'm sure this is something we'll get into more in a bit, but it's safe to say the Abs haven't played their best game yet. They've won all of these games, but you haven't gone, wow, no one can beat that team. <laughs>
1: I mean,
2: Definitely if you look
1: not. at Calgary and the Minnesota games, they both had just tons of penalties for huge stretches. So I'm not sure you could really get a handle on what they look like in regular 5v5 play. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I have a feeling that if either of those games had been allowed to proceed without, you know, a penalty every two or three minutes, um, I think they would have looked a lot more dominant than they did.
3: I think we know what Bednar wants them to look like. And in his comments that he's, he wants a tighter game. He wants it more structured. He wants it more. He He's talked about checking the other day. He didn't think they were checking enough. The neutral zone. He just must want to throw up when he watches the tape of what they've been doing in the neutral zone. Like that's not even close to what he wants. So I don't think it was just because of lack of flow or anything. I think they really haven't quite settled into what he wants yet. That's kind of part of it.
0: I think some of the crunch and some of the rust looking stuff where you have like passes that are just a little bit off and offsides that are a little bit silly looking. like I think some of that is just that they're trying to play the kind of high octane that, that they want to do, but they're just not quite there yet as a unit. Um, whether that's because it's October or because half the forward core is brand new or, or, or what the situation might be. But you, you can only tell what they're trying to do is faster than what they're actually able to keep up with right now. Because when it does work, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and if you're an opposing coach doing a pre-scout on the abs, the last thing you want is a high-octane and high-event game because that's, you're, you're going to lose that big time. So I would guess that most teams are trying to focus on slowing the game down, which is, you know I have a feeling that's what we're gonna see a lot this year.
3: Well that was definitely Arizona's plan. Right. I think that's why that game looked different, but that's also their style as well. That's kind yeah, of how Minnesota they need well. to win win games because they don't have that high end skill. But when you talked about the top line getting shut down by Boston, I agree that's perfectly understandable because you've got a really good opponent on the other side. But when Arizona's shutting down your top line, that's a little bit of a different story, I think.
0: Definitely. Um, although, I, I, me and Andy kind of agreed on this one last night after the game. We We really feel like Arizona gave Colorado pretty much everything they had like we didn't see Phil Kessel blow up for a couple of goals but other than that we we got everything Arizona's got like they they played their game just about as well as they can
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
0: And Colorado still came out on top without a whole lot of contribution from their from their top players. So that that's right. very encouraging.
2: That's the biggest part for me is I think that top line will get better. Right now I think they're overpassing, and it's this weird confluence of two issues where they're overpassing and trying to make the perfect play, but everyone's a little rusty or it hasn't quite clicked or whatever you want to call it, and so they're overpassing into each other's skates, and these plays that are in their head, I'm sure, look beautiful, just end up being broken and not so great, and they're still able to, and McKinnon has six points, and everyone will agree that, ah, oh, he's been fine. So <laughs>
3: like, yeah, he's just best. looked he's very frustrated, and... And part of it is that the other team is definitely making a point to stop him. But it's more his reaction to it. It's, it's very demonstrative. You can see it. You can see his frustration. and I don't, I don't think that's exactly what he wants to do, but it's coming out. And I don't think it's helping him.
0: Yeah, what kind of stat line will he have when he actually plays well? Because he's got to go on five <laughs> assists, but four of those are on the power play. It, it, it just seems like things aren't going Nate's way right now, but he still is tied for the team points lead.
3: Right, like it doesn't seem like he's really created anything. I think one of those assists was, was definitely a very nice pass to Miko. Yes. But other than that, it was it's kind of been like cheap points. But you will still take them.
1: Yeah, I mean they all count So, I mean, as long as he's producing It's not like last year where at this point I think he had 11 points instead of 6 But um, You know, again, teams are going to focus on him heavily I mean, you know If you're pre-scouting the Avs You're looking at McKinnon, you're like We can't let him run roughshod over us And You know, sometimes you're going to have Mixed success with that But you know if they're doing their best to control him and he still has 6 points then that's not looking too good for the rest of the league
0: well i i'm a little bit um more negative than that on, on what he's done so far because so much of his performance has been on like of his output has been on the power play and, and we'll get to that um but i do wonder if some of it has to do with the opponents that we've seen so far like i mean minnesota's bad but they're good at one thing and that's taking away the neutral zone Arizona's whole game is structured around taking the neutral zone for themselves. And then you've got Boston, who match up against Posternak and Marshawn, and say, well, good luck, Bergeron. Like, I wonder if he hasn't had a- the room yet.
3: It's all in how the ABS counter it.
2: Well, it's a good point, though, because Calgary, the first game, McKinnon had seven shots on goal against that team. Sure, the puck wasn't going in for him, but he was much more visible, much more present in the offense, and I do think teams are actively trying to shut him down. I think they did that last year, and the year before as well. For whatever reason, he isn't quite powering through it yet. I expect him to get there at 5-on-5. Five five. We'll see, especially now that, you know, everything swirling around Rantanen has cooled off a little bit. McKinnon's going to go back to being the man on that line.
3: Yeah, I'm certainly not worried. He's He's done it long enough that we know what he can do when he turns it on. It's just, it seems like you always have to get through this frustrate part of frustration. It's like he just needs to see the puck go in on a nice play or something for him to just <laughs> relax. Like, the goal he had was, was it a dirty one that he just kind of swatted in from the... From the crease, and hey, those count too, but it's like he needs to see a quote-unquote McKinnon goal go in the net, and then he'll be like, all right, I'm here.
2: its I don't want to make too much of this because I don't think it's a big deal, but this is probably the most talent Nathan McKinnon has ever played with in his entire life. And I think we are seeing a little bit maybe where the Avs have legitimate other options. Now, if my takes a shot from the high slot, that's a good shot to take. Even if McKinnon wanted that puck.
1: Yeah. And, th- and this is part of the reason why I've advocated for Miko dropping down to another line. <clears throat> um, you know, I-, I still think that that might be an option if, you know if they actually do go cold not cold like six points in four games cold but you know like three points in four games cold um, you know we'll, we'll see how it plays out it, i i think that landy's a little bit hurt and that's kind of hurting that line a little bit um last night you saw miko being the f3 a couple times rudo i know you mentioned that in your um video yeah. review um you know that's that's usually Landy's job, and he wasn't able to get back. You know, definitely for those two goals. Um, so you know that could be hurting them a little bit. So that you know, there's some other factors in play.
0: Yeah, with all the worry about Miko Rantan and starting the season on time, I mean, he came in on opening night somehow. Shout out to the Avs immigration specialist, and he got he's got three goals and three assists and looks awesome. So that that's yeah, why you pay them that, was... that money. <laughs>
3: I think he was their best player the first two games.
2: Easily. Easily yeah. in the first yeah. two games. I'm not, like, su- I'm
3: not sure they win either of those games without him.
2: Yeah. His uh, last game he had the game winning assist and you're like, mm, he was decent. He's bad defensively, but he still like, directly contributed to the game winner, so
0: It's okay if that guy's bad defensively. That that's not his right. job. Yeah. Um moving away from the top line for a minute tyson jost was back to center against arizona he finally gets a goal in that game i don't know if that's re- relative or er, re- relevant to which position he was stuck at but he definitely looks better at center and uh, the coach said as much after the game well with jt confer who's been who missed a, a game or two with a lower body situation as he gets back it'll be interesting to see what they do with tyson jost
1: yeah, I mean, I would keep Jose there easily. I mean, he was okay. I mean, I, th- I thought he played well the first two games, but uh, putting him back at center against Boston, you know, that was a tough game for everyone, but I thought he looked okay. And then I think against Arizona, you know, I, I thought he-, he really started to shine at center, uh, kind of like we saw in the playoffs Um you know, he, he's playing with Nieto and, and Wilson. That's a, that's a grindy line. That's kind of uh, the style that he does best with when he's a center. So I, I wouldn't touch that right now. Um, I, I just, you know, they've had so many problems with getting him a consistent role. And I, I think if they just leave this alone for a little while, you know, not the whole season, but leave it alone for four or five games and see where it goes. Because I, I, I think this is where he belongs
3: i agree and i think we all do and most do i think maybe the consensus among the fan base is that joe belongs at center but it's like if they keep this line then it kind of brings everything else into question because then you don't have enough top six forwards well i didn't really think they did anyway but even less because then you've got to be have to put like Comfort up there or someone that you really don't want to. I'm
2: gonna hate that, on my man Donskoy like that, huh?
3: <laughs> He's not a top six forward. Um, <laughs> we'll, well, and then there. it's also what do you do, it, or if you drop Comfort to the the fourth line, it just kind of reshuffles everything in a way that I think they Comfer, didn't want to.
1: Like I mean, Comfort and Calvert are actually really good together, and I think putting him with Belmer and Calvert yeah, would, it would be, fine. be really good. And it's not like the fourth line plays six minutes. You know, those guys have been playing ten plus. Um you know the, the until last night the the minutes were pretty even. Um I last mean, night was the first first night we really saw like the first line be up in the sixteens and then you had Nachushkin down at six for minutes. Um but it's it's been usually pretty even between them and I, I think you could get away with putting Comfer in a role like that because He'd be getting special teams, time, and I think that line would play enough that you're not sort of wasting him.
2: The root of this problem is that there simply isn't enough room in the lineup for Nachushkin and Colin Wilson. They can't both be in there.
1: Yeah, and Willie's not going anywhere, so bye-bye, Nuke. Shouldn't
3: they have thought of this?
0: Yes. Well, I don't
3: know.
1: They, they did. This is what they, want. <laughs> they, they want to have tough decisions. They They want to have a guy that they'd rather be playing sitting in the press box.
0: Like Kamenev? Like Kamenev!
2: Confer's versatility will pull him through regardless. His ability to play wing, center, wing on either side, and still function and be able to produce, he's what they've been trying to do with Jost. You can put him plug-and-place anywhere and he'll be fine. So give Jost that solid spot.
1: Yeah. I think,
0: think we we'll all agree on that. I think most people will agree on that.
1: And especially with a situation like Donskar where he he missed a few shifts, we know he's dealing with some sort of malady. Um, you know, you can always throw Comfort up with with Kadri and Burakovsky or you know, uh... whatever you want to do. So.
0: <laughs> you, you don't want to do it long-term, but he can I mean, slot in up there and, and not look disgusting.
1: Yeah, I don't, I yeah, don't mean permanently. I, think... I mean just on a shift-by-shift basis, you know.
0: Comfort
3: mm-hmm. on the second line should not be any really sort of solution. I mean, a- anything is whatever for a game. Would you
1: rather have Willy?
0: Maybe. <laughs> I... <laughs> it,
3: it's not a solution.
0: It, it's not a solution and no one is saying it is. It's a patch.
2: Yeah. Right. He's as good as anyone. The way that second line is designed... Burakovsky and Kadri are shooters, and Comfort so far through his NHL career has been more of a shooter. So that doesn't quite line up great, but like you guys said, it's fine short-term.
0: Nikita Sidorov has 13 penalty minutes and has maybe earned four of them. <laughs> his main contribution this season, apart from his you know normal game of preventing zone exits and then looking pretty shitty for a while against Arizona, has been to sit in the penalty box for things he did not do.
2: Yeah, that one against Boston was just egregious. He gets interfered with, and because he's a large human being, they call the penalty on him.
1: Yeah, dude bounces off him, and he gets called for interference. I mean, come on. And the well, luch- then it was. Fake fight was
3: ridiculous. Well, that was karma that goal got waved off.
0: Right. Both of yep. them.
2: There was a lot of karma in that game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, I still don't know what goaltender interference is. Because was that goaltender interference? Yeah, probably so. Did it prevent Gerbauer from making a save? I don't think he gets it.
2: Yeah, that's kind of where I was at as well. It, You know, maybe he would have got there. We'll never know, but... If Krejci is standing a foot forward, does it change the play? Probably not.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he was 10 feet away, does it change it? That's probably a better call, but I mean, you know, I I think they deserved just for everything they've had to go through over the last year to get a call like that, so.
3: I think Bednar's got a good handle on any sort of interference with the pads is where he seems to be getting these calls in his favor when he challenges them more often than not i think he's got a good idea that if the stick or the skate is in the goaltender's pads then that's kind of an i wouldn't say easy but that that's something the officials look for and if they see that that's why he can win these calls
2: it still feels like you're just spinning the wheel, though. Like every other night, you'll see one that's like you're 100% sure is going to go one way and it doesn't. And it's like, what yeah, is when this you, rule?
3: When you start getting into contact, I think that's where it's super gray. When you're just talking about, were you pushed in far enough in the crease? Did you impede him? That's
1: yeah, where it's. It, it was a pretty obvious he did push him in there.
0: Some of it's an optics game. Like, if you've got your stick in the goalie's pads, you're very visibly doing something.
3: Right, and I think that's what Bednar looks for, because that usually will get overturned.
0: And then, of course, that offsides, like, you you take those, but you really wish you didn't have to.
2: It's the stupidest rule in hockey. Oh my god. 50 seconds after that happened, the goal was scored.
0: 50 seconds! Multiple failed clears.
2: I don't mean, what can I even say about it at this point? I don't know. I have nothing left to say other than they need to fix it.
0: If they don't put a five second statue of limitations on offside review, they need to abolish it entirely. And even five seconds might be too much.
2: Where do I sign
3: for that? The whole offside thing needs to be revamped. But this was the correct call.
0: So it was technically correct, which, as we know, is absolutely. the best kind of correct.
2: For a game we called the Avs winning by chaos over textbook, it was the textbook <laughs> that bailed them out twice. So, <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. So, uh, but like, but I do th- with, think with, we need to go back to Z. Go ahead to back to Z, right? Or back to yes, else. and
3: that that
0: Lou Cheech... <laughs> oh, good god! <laughs> like. I I get why people from other teams may have an inclination to punch Nikita Zadorov in the face. He hits your team pretty hard, sometimes very hard, but that no, <laughs> that's yeah that that's not a hockey fight. That's assault.
1: Yeah,
3: I, I-
2: have less of a problem with the fight itself. Obviously, Lucic is an idiot. He got two, five, and ten. I can live with that. Zadorov shouldn't have gotten five. I agree. More importantly, that hit was not a penalty. It was not a penalty until Luchik touched... touched? I guess he started with touching and evolved to punching him in the face. Uh, it, they weren't going to call it. And then after the fight broke out, they're like, well, I guess we'll give Zadorov two for boarding. And it's
1: like, you can't do that! You can't go back and change it! Yeah, the the ex-post-facto penalties on on things that we're fine at the time, and then someone gets upset about it. I mean, that has to be called in the flow of play. Um, you, you just you can't go back and say, "Gee, well, I, you know, I guess it was pretty bad." If they started a fight over it,
0: it's just cowardice. It's it's just not wanting to give the Avalanche the five minute power play that they deserved for getting their guy sucker punched in the face. That, that's all it is. It's not wanting to and influence like- the outcome of the game.
2: Can't we can review majors now, right? So, like, why can't we go back and look at that fight and say, "Oh, Zador basically didn't even take his gloves off and just got punched in the face three times."
0: I, th- I'm not sure if if they wrote that rule to include fighting majors. They may have, They may have not.
1: That'd be th- they stupid. They may but... have
0: never considered that something this idiotic would happen.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> fights are usually pretty obvious. <laughs>
3: It's pretty yeah. typical, though. It's just, they say they want to get it out of the game, but it's it really is of no consequence.
0: I mean, if you want to get it out
2: of the game, just throw them out every time they fight. It's not hard.
0: Yeah. NBA does it. And guess what? <laughs> they fight twice a year, maybe.
2: Yep. Every 30 years, someone will run up into the stands and punch a fan, but, you know, you live with that.
0: <laughs> and then, then they changed their name to world peace and we're all happy about it i guess um <laughs> so it, it feels like zodorov has been a little bit up and down but to me that's an improvement because usually his season starts have been eh, not so great
1: yeah he's usually fairly invisible early in the season and and you know i don't think that's the way he needs to play at all um if he's gonna be effective he's gotta be pretty visible he's gotta be hitting people he's gotta be scaring people away from trying to enter the zone on his side and and things like that so uh you know other than last night i you know I've really enjoyed his play over the first four games.
3: I agree with having this pretty good summation of his season thus far the
2: in my opinion, the Avs' defense has been trending in the wrong direction, in general, in their own zone. Not a ton, but they didn't exactly start at their peak either.
3: With that Zdor- right, go ahead.
2: Go ahead. That lines up with what Zadorov's season has been so far as well. With the first two games, I thought he was very, very solid. A couple of minor mistakes. You're starting to see those major ones creep in again, especially against Arizona there.
0: Yeah. You live with those Doroth mistakes as long as he has good, good games too. Because he can't have as good games unless he takes those risks. So you, you live with those, but they're definitely gonna happen. I would this say the decor. Tra-
3: oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, <laughs> before this I stop so...
1: here. Don't worry, this... I'll get,
3: I'll get to my point.
1: This is sort of a transition topic, but. Um, I w- I wasn't that crazy about sending Timmons down. I know he had a bad game against Minnesota and looked out of sorts, but I I just I don't think two games was enough to get a good look at him. And I think he was good enough against Calgary that I, I think if they stuck with that, they'd probably be better off in the long run.
3: Um, well, I was gonna say the defense declining might have coincided with Barbario and Graves getting paired together. I know yeah. they haven't given up yeah. a goal together yet, but I just, I think this go it's all part of the whole story. I, I think, I agree. I, I don't, I think they're actually losing something without Timmons and especially yeah. replacing him with Barbario. And so that, that could be kind of a reason why the defense hasn't been as good, and and part of it is also EJ. He's been very inconsistent, I would say.
0: Eric Johnson was good Being against generous. Arizona. We'll totally give him that. Um, but against Boston, holy crap,
3: he was really bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I I don't I'm not as hypercritical of, of EJ as a lot of people have been, but. You know, maybe I just don't notice what he's doing wrong a lot, but um, you know, I I do think that substituting sort of a uh, just a grindy journeyman for an up and coming young defenseman, um, I, I think they've lost a little bit of the the breakout and the transition that they've, you know, they they kind of need to play the way they want to, uh,
2: and then they also kind
3: of... play Barbario more too.
1: Well,
2: yeah, I I agree with that. And But starting with EJ, for a guy who's such a character in the locker room, the dude needs to open his damn mouth on the ice. He's he never does not though. talk at all on the ice, he, and it causes so a... many problems. <laughs> I, know. I,
1: I think at his age it's never going to happen, unfortunately. But...
2: Yeah, so... I think that's a lot of it for EJ, which is part of why I'm not too worried about it. Because as the season goes on and they get into their rhythm of the systems and stuff, you're not going to need to talk as much. On the Timmy, well, he's been
3: with Sam. I mean, it's like mm, this isn't nothing then to do for then his him. big
2: mistakes come when they swap it, though, like when he's PKing with Graves or something like that.
0: Right. Like, so we'll it's just almost like the door off where they got spun around and
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was
0: going right. to say when
1: he and Z were together, that was
3: trouble. <laughs>
0: It's like Sam is the one that's
3: kind of being his minder in a way.
0: Yeah, Sam Gerard's been fantastic, by the way.
1: Yeah, he he really has. (laughs) Yeah.
0: No argument there. He had like a a bad period or two against Arizona, and that's about all you can say on the downside.
2: Pat myself on the back a little bit here, but my number one defenseman is going to be Sam Gerard. Video looks pretty good now.
3: <laughs> yeah. And I think it is something that's gone a bit unnoticed I think in general. I I know that Evan has mentioned it about Sam playing all these minutes and that he basically is their number one defenseman but I think a lot of people still do not see it that way and maybe they don't realize he's been playing over 20 minutes each of the four games and well, it's gone up I believe game after game. I I think this
2: all ties in together because Sam isn't playing the stupid 26 plus minutes, whatever that EJ used to play. And I think this is part of why they sent Timmins down is Bednar is really buying in to this system of wanting to play the entire lineup this year. You can certainly make an argument that playing Barb's more is a bad choice, but that's what he's doing. And you can see it through the lineup, even on the forward side against Boston, Mika was the only forward to get over 20 minutes in the game, and the lowest was Nachushkin at 11.5. So, now more than ever, they're really trying to make it a full-team game.
0: And you think, that you think makes there'll always Timmons be some?
2: A... Right. They played Timmins less than 10 minutes the first night, and I think it was the same thing the second night. And Timmins, on top of that, had a bad game. I would have kept him up, like you guys have said, but I think Bednar is more comfortable giving that bottom pairing guys 12 minutes, not having to shelter them quite so much, even if it does look bad with barbs at times.
1: Yeah. And I mean, as much as I'd rather keep Timmins up, there is a case to be made that, you know, he is not used to the system. Um, you know, as, as much as you practice, you do need to execute it in games to really get a feel for it. And that, that is something that, that you actually do get in the AHL. So maybe that that perhaps is, is is a good reason for sending him down. I just i I think you could get the same effect, probably quicker and more beneficial to the team by just leaving him up, though.
0: And then you have to envision I, a situation where he comes back. That because I mean you're talking probably based on injury because there's already eight NHL defenders and you're out to get one back in Ian Cole. So uh-huh. yeah,
1: and I. I I don't know how close Cole is. They they keep hinting it's really soon. I, I, you know, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I I still find it hard to believe that someone could be that, you know, aggro on their rehab that they're two months ahead of schedule. So... Um,
3: Yeah, I guess we'll we'll see see how long it takes. But But if Cole
1: actually is coming back, then yeah, all right, then then there probably wasn't a spot for Timmons. But I I think he could have waited until he actually was back.
3: You could have played him with Cole,
1: but they don't want to <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. It's just disappointing because of all the b s that they said about how he earned a spot and blah yeah. blah blah, and they that there was no commitment to him. I mean, two games under ten minutes is not a commitment. That's not giving him a try. It's giving him a reward and probably a nice little p r story but it's not really giving it a try. So I mean it's not the end of the world if if they're not going to forget about anyone it's Timmins. So they're just but they're going to have to actively figure out how to get him back and give him some more games because he absolutely should this year. And so and a
1: lot of this goes back to our, our gripe about how every game is, you know, a, a, a decider for the division and, and things like that, that every game is so important, you couldn't possibly play someone like an up prospect in it. And, I, you know, that's something that, that Bednar and the staff have to become comfortable with is just saying, like, you know, we, we could win with a guy that we're only playing 10 minutes and is learning right now.
3: They you did know, not going to hurt us. They yeah. beat Minnesota with him in the lineup.
1: Right, it's like they, you know, what you get by putting a Mark Barbario in there instead of Timmons is is probably and extremely negligible, even over long term.
3: And that Barbario Graves pairing will cost them a game. It's going to happen.
0: So the the plan for Timmons that we can think of as a, a justification for sending him down, it's not a bad plan, but they have to actually execute it, and that'll take time. So we will see.
1: Yeah.
0: So let's talk about the rest of the players who didn't start the season with Colorado last year and talk about their impact in, in four wins in two weeks. Um, first on my list is Jonas Donskoy, who had two goals in the season opener. Otherwise, to my eye, he's struggled really to find his uh, his role with the, with the team.
3: He's kind yeah. of a tough one. With Donskoy, they're... He's a guy that you see what you want because he kind of does the whole spectrum of it. He, he's a hard worker. He does a lot of good little things right, but then he also does a lot of little things wrong. They need to
2: find him his spot is what they need to do. Um, I think he's consistently a positive impact, but he scores two goals on opening night, and every game after that, you're begging him to shoot the puck. And well, I just one- don't think he has it in him.
3: One was on the power play, which everyone thought was Sam's goal that, that grazed off of him. And then the second one was an empty net goal. I'm not going to say empty net goals are meaningless, Fake but points. not like he's shot the puck past a goalie to get those right. Those goals.
2: Exactly. He's not a shooter. He's never going to be someone who leans on his shooting ability. I honestly think he's someone that you just drop in as your Alex Kerfoot replacement as far as role is concerned.
3: Well, I... He, he's like the complete opposite of Kerfoot. And How I don't think
2: so? Gonna... Then that he's better defensively? Okay, he's I not mean...
3: a center. He's a shooter.
2: Sure. He's not a shooter, though. I I don't think he is.
3: He's a third liner.
2: I don't think he's that either. You make him the setup man on the second line wing, and you just have Burakovsky and Kadri Joham.
3: I don't think he's that at all. I, I think he's someone you're glad to have. He's versatile. If, say, Landy had to miss a game and you had to throw him on the top line, I think they would be okay. So I think he's someone that you could put all over the lineup, but I think the team and the lineup is better served having him not in a top six role.
1: I'm just not sure there's someone better. And well there
3: isn't. (laughs) That's the whole thing is I agree there isn't.
1: I mean roll you know roll through the league. I mean he's I I think he's a top six guy. Um
3: I mean he was the eighth highest scoring forward on the shark.
0: I just don't know that there's a role to to, or an argument to be made that he's a shooter. He's had five shot attempts at five on five all season, which puts him in the same area as Belmar and Achushkin. Well, he's uh, still
3: not Kerfoot. I mean, Kerfoot had above average intelligence and vision. I mean, I'm not saying that he's a dumb player, but. You
2: can absolutely say they go about their of... business differently, but role-wise and where they fit on the team, I think second-line facilitator is still the same for both of them.
1: Yeah, and and plus Don is dealing with some injury that we're not privy to, and who knows how that's affecting him. So, I, you know, I, I agree that he's looked, you know, fairly invisible um, since the, the the first night, but. You know, I, I need to see like twenty, thirty games of him, and and hopefully some of those when he's completely healthy before uh, putting him in a in a role.
0: I just think that Joe Sakic went out and bought a second line and needs to, and and Bednar needs to use it as such until it proves that it's not that, because we know that the players underneath them on the lineup are not a second line.
3: I guess, but I still think that. I know what choice do they have, but they they don't have a second line. It's kind of still a lot of putting guys over their head.
2: I I'm way higher on this second line than you guys are clearly.
3: No,
1: I'm pretty high on it, and I think it's actually a good thing. And you know, th- this is with the caveat that I'm I'm not real high on Burakovsky even now. But I think it's good that they put those three guys together basically the guys that that haven't been with the team and don't know the systems all that well and they they have to figure it out um amongst themselves and it, it's it's not like they're going to be with players that do know the system and and get
3: is know, that necessarily out of better like... though is it better to have put three guys from three different teams and say hey be a second line i don't know isn't that kind of
1: yeah cuz they're figuring out while they while they're developing their chemistry, they're figuring out, you know, how they have to work inside of the app system. So, <clears throat> I, I, I think it, I, I think it's a good thing that they are put into the position where they, you know, sort of have to rely on each other to figure everything out. I mean,
2: look, you know, I think Burkowski's gotten better every single game. Definitely. He's continued to improve. Obviously, the two-game winning goals are fantastic, but it's the little things as well. He helped create a goal by four-checking hard against that Arizona team, and it it worked out. There were a couple of other situations where you're starting to see a little bit of the things that would indicate a bit more consistency. Kadri is the weird one for me because he's been good. He has been solid. Everyone would agree. Finally gets that first goal last night and you need to see it. The production has to come for him.
3: Well, yeah. with him, I feel like it's a lot of good plays, but they're individual plays, and I don't know if that's...
2: That's Codry. That's absolutely Codry. If,
3: if that's who he is, then he's not going to really find that chemistry with other with others, and if he can produce enough individually for him to get, what they need out of him, that's fine, but
2: this is why I'm saying he needs a facilitator like Donskoy on his wing to feed him into those plays,
1: yeah, I mean he's not a he's not a passer i mean he's not gonna he's not a setup guy his bread and butter is in front of the net, cleaning up garbage and, and making nice plays like that. He's the end user of the puck, hopefully I mean he's not sort of out where Mac is trying to distribute.
3: And I think there's more of an argument for what Earl's been saying about maybe he needs to play with Miko because I, I do not see Don Skoy and Burakovsky being able to facilitate enough for him to get to the, the point production that he's going
0: to need. Which of those two do you point next to Nathan McKinnon then because that's what you're left with?
1: I would put Berkey there, but Matt hates him, so I don't know. <laughs>
0: for, for he hates me, everyone right now.
1: Sure does He's he snapper. <laughs> Dude, for,
0: for me with Nas, he's he's doing great stuff and he but he, he keeps even when he gets the opportunities to do it, he's shooting wild with with an L, not wide. It it's just all <laughs> over the place. He he's finally got a great win against Arizona with the toe drag to roof move, so hopefully that's a sign of things to come. But, I mean, to me, you know, a guy like Kadri, like, he got traded against his will, right? He nixed a deal to Calgary because they were on his no-trade list, and he refused to waive, not to avoid Calgary, but because he wanted to stay in Toronto. I don't know if I buy that entirely, but... I, I mean, that's what the story was even like, before they tried to Colorado. So Toronto <laughs> brought him over here. It's a guy in that situation that's coming in with a massive chip on his shoulder. And I kind of wonder if some of his early struggles to convert onto the score sheet has been just, like, poor mindset, like, being over-motivated. Like, the problem we talk about with McKinnon sometimes, different from what he's going through right this minute, but, like, that kind of, I will make them regret this kind of mindset, you know? Like, I don't have any evidence for that, it's just a thought of, like... I like, actually Stark. agree, he yeah. Could be pu- he could be pushing, he could be pressing, he wants to
3: impress, he, he wants to show that he can get back to the 30 goal level and things like that i think
2: it even showed in the goal that he scored not only the big celebration seemed to be a bit of a weight off of him but that was a shot that he could have fired right away into the back of the net it was a rebound where there was a lot of net and ranta was scrambling to get over he obviously still finished it but to add that extra little try of hold on to it drag it and then beat him clean instead of just taking the shot
0: uh, he did, it he does dragged feel it around like... the defender. Like, it could have been deflected into the netting. It...
2: And it could have. He... We'll never know. But it does feel like maybe he's trying a bit too hard to make that perfect play. And the other thing that I think comes into this is the abs really, 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 really should move him out of the bumper spot. If you're going to have a guy who makes individual effort plays like that, the bumper spot just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because, yes, while he's doing more than what we've seen players do in that spot in the past, it's still going to limit him.
1: Well, nobody will pass it to him, so that's that's my reason for not wanting it.
3: <laughs> well, if we're going to transition into that discussion, I do want to say... We, I we like that... later. Okay, we're not there yet. <laughs> All
0: right. We, we have well, more noobs to get to.
3: That's true. Well, anyway, just for me... I don't want to sound negative on Kadri because I do like him. And he's a good player. I think he brings a lot to the table. It's just we haven't seen him totally fit in yet. And that's okay. He's not someone I'm worried about at all. So yeah, he'll be fine. Four
1: games, it's not a concern. I mean, if it's 40, then okay.
2: Honestly, I'm not worried about any of these guys so far.
0: (laughs) It's hard to come to a new team and play with new teammates and learn new systems and make it all work in two weeks. Like, we get that. Yeah. So, I have to give it a little bit of time before we start being like, oh, the cadre in Colorado was a good idea, but it's just not working. Well, I mean, it's been two weeks. Uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, two goals. Hello.
2: Yeah, what's that about, huh? I mean, <laughs> you'll take it, but they're not expecting it
1: to keep up. And Matt Calvert, set up, man. Come on.
0: That, that that Matt Calvert steal and assist was maybe the best play he's made since he blocked a shot off the crotch. Um, <laughs> he, and, and in like the most Matt Calvert fashion you could imagine, he's in a, I, I think it was the second period when that goal was scored because he was in, in the second intermission uh, altitude interview. And he's just like, Oh, well, you know, I'm not, that's not necessarily the position I'm supposed to be in was basically what he what he what he said. He didn't say those words, but his take on it was that he was out of position and made a play out like because he happened to be there. Like that's about the most that's Matt like Calvert. Everything Matt process. Calvert does, yeah. Right? But it was a, I yeah, don't a know. sick steal and a good pass. I
3: don't know who said it. I'm not taking credit for it, but whoever said that um Delmer is Calvert's soulmate. I have to agree with that. They seem like they click together really well. So, I like that Bednar has thought of them as the fourth line, I guess, at this point. But you see them do a lot of good things. The two goals, of course. If you get two fourth line goals, you probably should win a game. (laughs) Or be winning. (laughs) But... They've also been on the ice for a lot of shot attempts against. Yeah. And that's kind of the negative to what maybe people haven't seen through these wins.
1: Yeah, their shot rates against are are deplorable. Um, They're not a shutdown line. And I know that's something that Benar said. You know, he'd like to have a fourth line that he could put out against anyone's, you know, top line or something like that. And it just, you, you can't put fourth liners against the top line in these days, you know.
2: They're uh, a line that thrives off of forechecking, not defending in their own zone. That's when yeah. they're at their best. And I think and they ben continue to that do stuff. that.
0: Yeah. That, that, to go back to our earlier discussion, that style makes him an even better fit for JT Comfer.
1: Yeah. Um and, and the great thing it, it, if you look at Belmare, like that's that's kind of the role that Gabe Bork had last year as as the guy in front of the net, and you know, we, we all know how that works. Um but but Belmare can actually finish. And you know that that's a huge change. So that there's actually a, a potential for offense there. And that's something that the switch from from Bork to Belmare, and I know it's you know there's they're sort of different Uh, positions and whatnot, but um, offensively, that's kind of the role.
3: Well, he's in the proper role, so that's, that's why it's good. It's just, it might be unfortunate because that's kind of the only way that the Avs ever introduce anyone new, say like Kamenev, Bowers, someone like that, that they actually want to maybe use some of these younger guys, and it's kind of like, well, he's in that role. Which is good, but it kind of takes away a lot of options.
0: Well, I
1: don't know. I think Nichushkin's role is one that's easily replaceable by Greer, Bowers, whoever you want to name.
0: Valerie Nichushkin, one assist.
1: Yeah. You know, I I liked his first two games. He kind of, you know, he he looked a little overwhelmed against Boston. Um, Sort of the lack of puck skills was was more evident. And and Arizona, he. You know, he he really didn't play that great a game. Um, You know, part of that is what we've seen is when someone's about to be chopped out of the lineup, they get no minutes, and that's kind of what happened to him last night. So, you know, maybe maybe it's Confer. Maybe they put someone uh, higher in the lineup down and and put Confer up there. But, you know, it does look like he's he's probably exiting the lineup. But I think he's more useful than, than Yak was. Um, you know, even with Yak's good shooting and things like that, uh, you know, th- he's not going to score that... what
3: Yak did even here.
1: <laughs> yeah, but they didn't need Yak to score. They, they needed Yak to be a decent fourth liner, and that's what Nachushkin was for at least two games.
0: Yeah, well, I Yak agree that role he's... I agree for sure.
3: I agree Nakushkin has been useful, at least in the way that they're using him. I like that they... I've kind of envisioned this role for him where he can four-check and use the size and get to the front of the net. Like, I think he was directly responsible for three goals in the first two games just because of him being parked right in front of the net. So those are the things I like, but could it, it's not something that a bunch of other people couldn't have done if they wanted it.
1: Exactly, and, and that's not, that's nice.
3: So, but like you said, I agree. It, the writing's on the wall that he's going to get scratched now. And then it's like, well, now what? It's been two weeks. And kind of the experiments ended. So, cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Maybe, maybe not ended. You'll, we'll have forward injuries, I'm sure.
2: The experiment never ends with this team,
3: so. <laughs> yeah. Well, until Benner gets tired of someone and then that's that. <laughs> but I haven't hated him And like no. I've always said I have a little soft spot for Russian Power 4 I'm hoping he gets that
0: goal But It's just How do they use him We're We've also too- kind of seen maybe why He hasn't had an NHL goal since March 2016 At the same time like He's taken a couple of shots and it's, and it's just like Oh That's your shot
2: magnetized (laughs) to that goalie (laughs) chest. Yeah,
0: it's like and not very hard. Then it then it makes you wonder how
3: did he ever get drafted that high? But I guess that's that's another conversation.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean his his puck skills are not that great, and you know again for what they used him for that's that's fine because his play without the puck is actually way better than I thought it was going to be.
0: Whatever works, and it's it's been working okay, even those last couple of games, not so much, but it, it it seems like he's kind of going as the team goes, and so just kind of a role that you didn't really need to add that guy for, but you did, so.
2: He's- he is replacement level, is what we're trying to say. Yeah, let's, <laughs> l-
0: let's move to uh, the to defense, because, since we're going to talk about replacement level. Connor Timmons has been replaced, so we don't have time to talk about him anymore. Um, Kale McCarr, five assists.
2: Kid's good. He, all of his assists haven't even been like truly wow plays. All of his wow plays end up at like going wrong because Nieto flubs it or something. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what, what more can you say? That's the most assists of any rookie this season. Tied for the most points of any rookie so far this season. It's gonna be fun until he hits that college wall. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I th- I think up until the Arizona game, they were berry points. The plays he made on the two that got him assists in the Arizona game, he had a really good game. It was it was like he had a little bit of a rough game against Boston, and he just hit the reset button or something. It looked like he got new batteries or something. He was just aggressive again. It was like he f- figured out he had to use his energy. He's just he has so much explosiveness and. And he's so energetic. He has to use that, and he finally did that last night. And that it was a joy to watch. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, that see battery what... change happened in the second intermission against Boston. I thought he was awesome in the third period.
3: And I think this goes uh, I don't back to what I'd
2: everyone awesome, but sorry, go ahead. I,
1: I think this goes back to what a, a lot of people say about him as being very coachable because he's he's the kind of guy that will be invisible and sort of make a a mistake. And then get coaching on it, and he'll come back, and he will get it right pretty much the first time. And I, I think that's one of the things that makes this dude so scary is because he's, you know, he's, he hasn't been tentative. I won't, I won't say tentative or passive about him, but it's just not that visible, at least in the first three games. And when he becomes visible... When he takes all the skill that he has and 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 really starts delving into the system and being comfortable doing what he needs to do, um, you know, he's got five points in four games now. It's it could be more than that. I mean, <laughs> he could be he could be Brent Burns level as far as scoring.
3: And I once they say... figure out what he's trying to do, yeah. too.
2: Right. I thought he was very good in game two. Uh, against Minnesota, I think he did stand out there, and that's because he held onto the puck a little bit. When he is able to skate with it, he starts to stand out real quick. And for McCarr, going forward, I think, you know, it, it's almost like you know when you do something stupid, and the best advice is just wait for it to blow over because someone else will do something stupid. He he fell down and gave up that goal that got called back against boston and then in this game against arizona barbs trips over the blue line and that like was the next moment of stupidity that freed up mccarr to go back to normal yeah
0: barbario's skate (laughs) explodes on his foot and he spends the next like three minutes on the ice not able to move yeah (laughs) that was brutal
1: and that's that's a good point about the minnesota game because i did think he was good in that as well the one thing I noticed last night and a little bit in the Minnesota game was You're was underwater.
3: The- yeah.
1: He was one of the few players on the abs that were able to get through the neutral zone trap floor check, whatever what you want to
2: call was it. What's
0: that? Did you just like wipe sand off your microphone? <laughs> it was like this know. whoosh whoosh and then you're fine. <laughs> well, the- <laughs> it's removed. <laughs>
1: I don't know, maybe a bug flew in there.
2: Yeah, that's that's bad. Now you put the sand back in. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm seriously not doing anything here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Your phones possessed then. Carl's okay. adventures
2: with a mic are a perfect analogy for barbario playing hockey. Sometimes it's perfect fair. and then for no reason, sometimes it's terrible.
0: I just think it's been fun to see Kale McCarr like steadily improve from game one to game four. And it's just, it's funny to me that we spend all summer going, well, you, we, without Tyson Barry, that's a lot of offense to replace. And Kale McCarr is not going to do it all on his own. And then he immediately starts the season getting Barry points. Like that's, that's hilarious to me. And that, and I was going to make the exact same point if you like, if TV didn't jump in front of me and, and do it herself, which is that the first couple of games you think, yeah, he was okay. Maybe. Like I didn't he didn't really do a whole lot. I mean you look at the score sheet and you go, Oh, he's got assists. Like, it just happens. And yeah. if that's where we're gonna go with this, then by all means, please continue.
3: And the I think it wasn't until the Arizona game he didn't have any shots on goal, which that's not Makar. He's a shooter. He was a shooter all throughout his NCAA I mean, career. So he
2: hit two posts against
3: Minnesota, that's about
0: as close as you
3: yeah. can get. But just saying in general, he needs to shoot to be effective. I also, I haven't looked this up, so it's just my recollection. But I don't think he's been with Sam that much to
0: start. No, I would agree with that. They had uh, one shift in the third period against Arizona where where I joked that, that Bednar had just had enough of that fucking game. <laughs> because he put on <laughs> McKinnon, Landeskog, Granton, and Gerard McCarr for an offensive zone shift. Like, go... Stop these icings that Arizona are doing and score a goal immediately. Yeah,
3: so I think maybe when you'd like to see that pairing a little bit more. I'm not saying that how they've done the pairings up to this point has been bad, except for, you know, Graves and Barb or whatever. But as far as having their usage of Makar, I think has been good. But I think that's when you really see the fireworks is when they start putting Gerard and Makar together a little bit more.
0: Yeah, um yeah, but- Makar has played eight minutes with Sam Gerrard at even strength for that, That's his second highest um, pairing. His his first highest is with Zadorov playing forty one. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, I think I think the problem with putting Sam and Makar together is then you get Z and EJ, and that's yeah. not. Been-
3: well, maybe when Cole gets in the lineup, because you know that they're gonna play Cole with everybody too. Yeah, Cole,
1: and, see Cole
3: isn't going to help anyone,
2: though. <laughs> <laughs> you know they're going to attach him to Makar, and Makar's going to have to drag him around the ice, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the plan.
1: It's going to be gruesome.
3: I think they'll stick with Zadorov and Makar. I think they've been all right together.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Z's track record with Barry helps a lot there. It's just he's used to having a partner you know, that's that got a, a really good mentality as far as moving the puck, and it works. So,
0: so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Makar in uh, in games that are against, you know, teams that are quicker and, and able to kind of keep up with the Avs' pace of play, because as we've seen so far, three out of the four teams have just not had it. Um. I don't really want to count Ryan Graves as a new player because we got so much out of him last season, so let's turn to the farthest of the back end. Pavel Francouz. won his NHL starting debut, 34 saves on 36 shots. Maybe you want the Grabner goal back positionally, but what a shot. And the second goal was just kind of a peewee defensive breakdown, so through one game, Pavel Francouz looks like an NHL backup.
1: <laughs> yep, yeah. he was That'd be fantastic. Be- yeah, I thought so too. Um, I, I made this comment in my article today that he gave up one goal in each of his games last year and lost them both and gave up two and one, so lesson learned. <laughs> he,
0: he came in, like, I don't remember both of his games. I only remember the Arizona game where he came in in the third when it was, like, four to one or four to nothing.
2: It was the exact same situation in the other one, too, against the Sharks.
0: Was that what yep. it was? I don't remember that one. I only remember that he came in and he was like basically shut the door except for one awkward floaty puck. And that yeah. was all it took. Because he had no margin for error whatsoever.
2: Yep. It was the exact same situation in the other one too. Uh, a floated puck with a full screen that ends up behind him and he gets the L because the abs almost came back. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he was very, very solid. Uh, I think it was kind of funny that he got the very Avs welcome. Oh, it's your first start. Here's a penalty 40 seconds into the game. Get ready, <laughs> buddy.
3: He said it did help. See <laughs> some action. Uh, after the penalty's killed, then you're you're happy. You made a few saves early. <laughs> but I was happy with him, too. I like Frank. So yeah, I was happy you got that win and everything just gives everyone confidence to put him in the lineup. Because I was a little worried that Bednar was going to try to milk Grubauer through a few of these back-to-backs. So anything that stops him from doing that is a good thing.
2: It's It was in, I hope the rest of the NHL takes this game as the book on him. Because his glove is actually very, very good. And he did he not show it all that. In this game. Yeah, right. He <laughs> got beat both times, glove side, and that almost never happened in the AHL last year. So,
0: yeah, well, one of them was because half the ice had no Avalanche players on it. Yeah, there was that. <laughs> and and the other one was honestly a little bit more shoulder than glove.
1: Yeah,
2: the, it was on the higher side a, for sure. It's
0: a really, it's a kind of a handcuffy spot to try to catch something, especially with a mask kind of in the way. So, I mean, I. He, he tried to make a shoulder save, and he didn't get there.
1: He's not very tall. No. <laughs>
0: and he catches funny. <laughs> no, goofy. Yeah, he's goofy. <laughs> <laughs> but but he was really... I thought he was really sharp. I thought that he maintained his angles pretty well. It's just not aggressive enough on that one goal, and then just totally boned on the other one. He He stopped breakaways. He stopped... Like, the Phil Kessel signature rocket-out-of-nowhere shot. Like, he, he was up to the task.
2: He got the Pepsi Center to ch- chant "Grew" for him, even though oh, that's geez. wrong.
0: I didn't even notice that. That's, yeah. that's how <laughs> uninterested in that stupid game I was. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> he was so bad for so long. Um, But he's not the only goaltender who's played well either. Group hour's been everything you could want.
2: It's been such a weird start to the season for Grubauer. <laughs> they, he has three goals against him that went off of his own team. And then maybe one of the goals scored against him is one he would want back. They're all like, oh my god, what has happened? Grub is <laughs> going to die.
3: <laughs> and I think he's got better each of the three games he played.
0: The first game so was that's tough a thing right? too, because like Colorado came out of the gate like gangbusters, and Grubauer didn't face more than like a shot or two for about fifteen minutes. So, I mean, that's it's tough to to stay in those games. The muscles yeah. start feeling weird.
2: It's always it's always weird to me when when goalies end up in situations like that, because you, some goalies thrive in those, and and some goalies like we saw for years with Varley. They need rubber. They need to take shots to get into the game. And I don't really know where Grooby stands on that that totem pole. I haven't really found a feel for it yet.
0: Alright. That completes my list of new players. I think I'm gonna regret this, but let's let's talk about the power play, okay? <laughs> As of Sunday afternoon, Colorado sits seventh in power play conversion rate. That's 27.8% and everyone ahead of them were in the 30s and 40s and half of those teams have only played three games. There's some early season silliness there. When you go fancy, Colorado are 24th in unblocked shot rate, 27th in shots on goal rate, 22nd in XG rate which tells you the shots they're taking aren't particularly dangerous ones and uh uh-oh, second in shooting percentage. Behind only, you're gonna love this, The Chicago Blackhawks, who are at 67% shooting. Shut the fuck up. Two-thirds? How many goals is that? Like, how many goals out of how many power plays? I don't know. They've only played three games. My point is Colorado's power play has been successful, so why are you whining about it and calling it the poo-poo? Well, that's why. It's pretty easy for shooting percentage to carry four games.
3: Yeah,
1: and their their goals per expected goal is pretty, well, it's it's very high. Um, it's it's one of those things that is probably not sustainable at this rate. Um, so they're going to have to bump up the shooting. As much as they hate shooting, they're going to have to do it some more. And I, I just, I don't know how they're going to do that. You know, I don't know how they're going to untrain their, themselves to not shoot all the time to suddenly start shooting again.
3: And if you look at the goals, two of them were off the rush. I think the Ranton and goal was off the rush. The one that Lanniskog hit the post and McKinnon pushed in was off the rush. The first goal they got was from power play two, which was almost the Gerrard goal. So goals always happen different ways, but they're not getting these goals from their power play structure, I guess you could say. Not at all. Well, the
0: the Gerard Don Squiggle was from the structure. That's what you want. Um, yeah, I'm just saying
3: it's power play too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If 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 you're having rushes into the zone, that means you've already failed at least once.
1: <laughs> well, they always get face off, so.
0: <laughs> I
3: actually think well, they're more successful off the rush, so it's almost like a good thing for them.
0: But <laughs> Sure, why not? So yeah, quit quit putting Kadri on just to take the power play face off. Let McKinnon lose it. It's fine.
3: <laughs> and it, it's just going to come back to the same thing. It's like, will their talent convert enough for people to say, hey, it worked? The power play, you know, we complain about it all the time. And then it's like, ha ha, there's a goal. The, Here. The point I think, well, the point we're always trying to say is it could be so much better.
2: Yeah. Could it be better? Absolutely. With the first unit. I'm not going to complain particularly after the Coyotes game because if Kadri is going to score rebound goals like that, that's enough to get that power play some consistency. Makar did a good job finding ways. He seems to be learning how to get that point shot through a little bit better. Kadri, look, I don't think he's going to toe-drag it around a defender every time, but if he can just get to pucks in those areas, that's something that the Avs power play has always, always, always lacked. But Power can play? they
3: with with the the system and the setup they have?
2: I think they can. The first unit, the second unit, I think is quickly going to become an absolute disaster because they are doing the thing where everyone goes to their spot and just says, "Cool,
1: I'm here now. This is where I live." <clears throat> I mean, I, I agree, Ruda, with the you know the the skills that they have and the experience that they have doing these highly skilled plays makes anything possible again for me it's it's the rate deal are they going to generate chances enough i mean i think they're averaging one shot per minute something like that well
2: so here's the thing with those rates is they'll have power plays where they suck and don't get a single shot on net and then they'll throw one out where they get four and you need is that to do better that a- though you need to do it a bit more consistently i'm with you but it's going to get the job done enough with the first unit I think I would still love for them to move away from the diamond dot. I still think they could much more benefit from setting up McKinnon, Rantanen and Kadri, even Landeskog to shoot from the circles more, but I think they have enough skill to make the first unit work now with Kadri in the middle. Kadri seems to understand, Hey, I need to not just stand in the slot. Sometimes I need to slide out and be ready for a rebound. Yeah, because no tough. one's
1: going to pass through them.
0: It's, it's tough to expect rebounds in the center if you're if you're in bottom third in shot rate. Like, you're not going to get rebounds if you don't take shots.
1: Yeah, and that, that's the thing. The, the consistency is always going to be a problem when you never shoot because you're always banking on one really good play to get the goal. And I just, you know, I like a little bit more volume. I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to see like a, a hurricane style where you're just shooting all the time. But I just, I, I need to see better plays more often. And it, it's it's not a huge change. It's not something that they have to really, you know, double their rate or something like that. But it just, it, it needs to be more than it is now.
3: And it's so obviously scouted. You You can see the other team knows where the pass is going to. It's just... Oh, it the so talent slow
1: that a child could follow
2: that, it, you know? That was hilarious against Arizona, where Soderberg was just skating to where the puck was going to be because he's like, oh, I know where <laughs> this is going.
0: You could see the whole time that, that Soderbergh, when his unit was out, he would just hang out in the mid-slot and just watch with a stick down, and then as soon as the Rainbow, or Rainbow Road, hello, Mario Kart, as soon as the Royal Road Pass comes out, boop, it's out.
1: Yeah, and I think he also must have been like, All right, dude, you stand here because they're going to pass it back at this exact point at their blue line.
0: (laughs) Eight seconds after entering the zone, they'll try to work it down low just to work it right back to the top.
2: (laughs) And all that's very predictable. It's going to need some adjusting through the season, no doubt. But I'll complain about the power play when it's time to complain about the power play, even if they're riding good numbers.
1: If it, if it hadn't been so bad in the playoffs and probably cost them the the series versus the Sharks, I, I I'd agree. It's just it's something I wanted to see improvement over the summer, and it it's it's just not there yet. So I'm I'm just I I can't endorse this yet.
2: I will say they do the drop pass correctly now, and I love it. <laughs> Unless Carl's on the that... other team, yeah.
0: <laughs> love is pretty strong.
3: Love is a pretty strong word.
2: Hey, look, all I had ask them to do with the drop pass was to put a second forward back there with McKinnon, and they did. They moved Landis back there, and that ended up resulting in a McKinnon goal. Landis got the puck, had McKinnon as the other option back with him. Landy takes himself all the way in and hits the post, and then McKinnon cleans it up.
0: So all this is to say mostly that, yes, the power play is working well now, but we can we can see that it's going to have its dry like if you do it this way you're going to have the same dry spells you had last season, and though when you compound that with others with other problems that's how you have the death march of winter that Colorado had last year, and yeah you
1: don't want to go nine games without a power play goal again.
3: No, well yeah I mean, I mean let's that. let's look at the big picture here. They're four and zero. There's nothing to complain about, right? I mean everything's great everyone's happy everyone's had a great time watching the team if you can haha and
0: <laughs> you know it's just rainbows and lollipop but you truly would love to have seen it yeah yeah it's too bad
2: <laughs> i can complain about the refing, but that would be a whole another rabbit hole so
0: <laughs> that's evergreen and not worth our time unless it costs you a playoff series uh, yep. So, I mean that—that's just my point here with the, with the power play. Is that yeah, it's it's been producing now, but we can see that it's not going to keep doing this.
3: Right, we can see that it's going to cost them a game. And,
0: and I personally would be happier with a team that has less power play conversion and a better process, even if that hasn't, you know, even if that's cost them a game at this point that they haven't scored. Because we know that it's going to cost him a lot of games later when the dry spells come.
3: I guess what I would like to see is just more creativity. Just, you know, change the personnel. Maybe put Sam and Makar on Unit 1 sometimes. I'm not saying all the time. But do things differently. It's just way too regimented. It's way too stuck in its ways. Move Kadri out of the bumper. He's creative. Yeah, just... Just think Sorry. of think of other ideas. It's just you can't just roll out the same power play year after year and pretty I much mean, have the same unit, the same people. Like, okay, the second unit changes personnel. Like, who cares, right? It's either Wilson or Jost or Comfer or Nikushkin. Like, who? Ca- nobody cares. Like, do something with the talent you have on. There's no excuse for them to have like a minor league power play, <laughs> which is still horrific at the AHL level. By the yeah, way, yeah, that's
2: if you're looking at the system, uh, working it down to less skilled talent, it's not pretty. Don't look at that. <laughs> yeah, do the Eagles that's
0: have
3: the a That's the disappointing play goal part yet? for
0: me.
2: They did they get one.
0: One. <sighs> one. They got one. All right. Um. So let's do Stars and Scratches. It's been a while since we've done a show after actual hockey games, so you may have forgotten this part, uh, where we bring up three Stars for the week, and then also Scratch three players. Not always players, and sometimes it's just random crap. Especially after a four-win week, it may be tough to come up with three Scratch players. So who are our Stars of the Week? And
2: I'm going to take a weird one, so someone else take the ones that make sense.
0: I'll take the obvious, Miko, to get us started then, then and we've already talked Fake about I would,
3: I would have Miko and surprise surprise Burkovsky share that one What? Explain. Cuz Miko I'd say Miko was pretty much what got them the wins in the first two games. Not that he was bad in the other two, but if we had done this show after last week after the two games, he would have been our first star. And then this week if we're just looking at just these last two games burakovsky deserves a star for the game-winning goal in each game so i think when we're talking about the two weeks overall that they should share a star
2: i mean we could just give both of them stars
3: (laughs) okay well i think more people more people deserve a star is also what i'm saying
1: well i'm gonna take your other pick and say sam gerard well
0: yes i think he deserves one
1: he's been fabu
0: I hope this is who Sam Girard is, like, and only getting better from here, obviously, but I hope this is who he is and can be this consistently. Like, he, he, we, we, we kind of touched on it earlier that other people don't necessarily see the, the, the number one defender role out of Sam Girard, but that's just because he doesn't play a flashy game. You don't notice him. Like, you see him spin with the puck every once in a while, but he's not got the booming slap shot. He doesn't lay the body. He's not an obvious player but he is an efficient one. I
1: think he's just breaking up plays left and right.
3: I think that is who he is because I think the confidence that they have in him and he feels it because he's playing so damn much. But also I think the contract was huge for him just to feel that appreciated that wanted that big of a part of the team where maybe if he didn't have it, he would think like there's, McCar and there's Byram coming, like where do I really fit in? But it's like they told him you are such an important part of this team, and I think this is kind of the manifestation of that.
0: All right, I can get
2: behind Sam Gerard for sure. um mine is Jared Bednar. I think okay. he's done a very good job in in spreading out those minutes and not driving our first line into the ground, which is something that they're going to need on Game 82. These types of things are going to matter. Beyond that, obviously working with Heimlich in getting those calls against Boston helped win the game. I think he's done a better job at everything that doesn't involve Ray Bennett.
3: Um, I I can get behind it, but I definitely want to see some of these these guys through tough times to really show that they've. Of course, grown. It's,
2: it's still four games. We can only right. go off of what we can go off of, but yeah. I think but sure, the abs on the whole have practice. taken a lot of the steps that they need to take. Outside of that game one against Calgary, I haven't felt like the turtles have been truly terrible. They've had. Struggles hanging on to the lead, but they haven't completely collapsed. And third periods have felt even enough.
3: It was funny against Boston. I felt like they could that the way the team was playing, they couldn't even turtle if they wanted to.
1: They didn't have time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
3: I agree. Benner deserves some credit. I think you know we. Coaching gets a lot of criticism and blame, and probably a lot of times warranted, but I think he does deserve a lot of credit for where the team is at, at this point. So it's a good time to give him some.
0: Yeah, when things go wrong, we blame the coaches, when they go right, we credit the players, so. Yeah, exactly. But the the third period point, I think is an important one, where you, you don't see the abs go, alright, we've got the lead. No one skates past the red line anymore. And I know that he <laughs> doesn't want them to play that way. Like, every coach wants
3: them to be a little bit more conservative, but I know he stresses that he doesn't want the 10-minute power play or penalty kill.
0: And they've they've been successfully forechecking. They've had, you know, sh- pretty even shots late in games. That's what you like to see, and hopefully it'll just – Continue getting better and moving forward as the team discovers this is what it's like to play with a lead, and because. And I mean, I want them to have a lot of them.
2: You can't help but wonder if McKinnon, sitting at 18 minutes with three minutes left in the game instead of 22, he's a little fresher. Yeah,
3: that and that might help down the road. So, Scarratoreno's. Uh, I was to- thinking to- about this. Sir. Yeah, I can't.
1: Back. Back. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to scratch a guy that no. has six or four yeah. games, but <laughs> that's wrong. It's just the 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 petulant attitude on a couple of plays last night kind of bothered me, and you know, I, I I know he just goes through these phases, and it's just something he it's part of his personality, but it's just not a good look um, when he's giving up on plays that are still going on and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. I was going to say you can't really scratch anyone after winning four games in a row, but I do also agree with that. It, it's not that he's trying so hard to score and he's just getting frustrated and he's a competitive guy and this and that. It, it is that he's he's letting it affect other areas of his game. And I think I think that won the really bad goal against against Arizona he was in the neutral zone. He was really slow in getting back into the play, and that—that's yep. stuff that you don't want to see.
2: He made a really bad read in the neutral zone there. Yeah. Um, I have two. I'll, I'll start with the player, though. I'll take um, one, I'll
0: take the one the, the, your second one. Just tell me who it is, okay. and I'll argue
2: for it. Uh, well, one of them's Ryan Graves, and one of them's the Evans front. Okay. <laughs> Ryan Graves is probably harder to argue uh, because he has two points, but one of them was an empty net assist that he got by blocking a shot. So that technically counts as a point. The other was an empty net goal.
0: So he has no real points.
2: Yeah, it was a long shot. Good job. Grubauer should have gotten assist on the play, even though he didn't. He didn't. Um, Yeah, they didn't credit it it to him. Um, So blocking a
0: shot is assist worthy, but making a save is not. Right, it, exactly. So against <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: but, and it's hard to do this today, because the Coyotes game was far and away his best game of the year so far. He looked much, much better. But through the first three, he seemed lost a lot of the time. He really struggled with his defensive positioning, and that communication issue I went back to, EJ Graves kind of had a lot of the same problems. Putting in Barbario hasn't helped him at all. It's just lumping on somehow even more defensive responsibility for him and as much as everyone loves to call him a defensive defenseman, he's really not that much of a defensive defenseman so it's just an awkward situation and if the Avs want to keep playing him, I'm fine with it but I don't think it's been the strong two weeks that everyone has made it out to be
1: so
3: yeah, that, I think that's, that's fair
1: like, you're saying.
3: Still- He's not
2: <laughs> Patrick Nemeth, right?
3: <laughs> Still won the. Game, I would though. more give my scratch to the Graves Barbario pairing, but I yeah, think, I think that's
0: extremely fair because those those two together don't do each other any-, any favors. Like you see Graves making good individual plays, you see Barbario making good individual plays, but but together there's just too much but.
3: Yeah. Barbario is too chaotic for Graves. He makes Graves chaotic, and then when Graves starts to lose the handle, then it's it's just bad.
0: The Barbario can be chaotic, good at times. It just Graves. Yeah, need, G- Graves needs to be stable, and without stability, we struggle.
1: <laughs> right, he needs and to then... be law- Evil. <laughs> what?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I think that's Kadri
0: Yes, <laughs> <But>. <laughs> maybe Zadorov. Hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um. And then yeah, obviously this ties into the front office. With I'm fine with Timmins playing in the AHL. I think he'll get the development he needs. But what are we doing, having him here for two games? Just start him in the AHL if if that was your plan.
1: Or just give him the four homestand games. Right. 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 Or, like, or, or, give or give him a real yeah. look. Or give him a
3: month
2: don't do the half-and-half Hem-and-Ha bullshit that they always do, and it results in nothing.
3: Yeah.
0: There's this that thing so the front it. office. I, I said I was going to argue this, so I will jump off of that. Um, it was pretty clear from the way that they operated in the preseason that they wanted to give Shane Bowers more of a chance than he's getting, so shout-out to the front office for signing to Chushkin and uh, being afraid to wave Kamenev around the time of year that everyone waives someone they're afraid to wave, and yep. they don't get claimed. Um and then, when you do send down Connor Timmons, you have an opportunity to bring up your other best defender in the preseason, and you don't do that. You bring up... Well...
2: Your best so, Rosen was probably hurt, we now know. Yeah. Um. But...
3: I don't know. I don't think you can make up an injury. Like, he got hurt in the, in the game he played. I,
1: I think he was nagging, and it just let loose after the Regardless, first play. Regardless, it was going to be a
2: warm body situation anyway, so they should have called him. To just sit in the press box.
0: Well, what is the point of having more comfortable putting in an NHL game?
2: Yeah, right. They're clearly so not comfortable putting Kanaton in. So,
3: so would you try? Yeah. Him? So, w- what's the point of bringing him up then? Which is very against what the Avs do because it's costing them more money to do that.
1: Yeah. If you're gonna have a warm body, I'm fine with Kanaton over Anton Lindholm, for example. I mean. I mean if Lindholm's even
0: consideration
2: Ew. for a call off this year
0: then we got He problems. shouldn't He shouldn't
3: be in consideration to play but as a warm body who cares.
0: And then the final nail in the front office coffin this week is in the gear requisition office whoever bought that Paris gates for Mark Barbario. <laughs> yeah, so what, sorry. what actually happened
1: the there thing. I wasn't aware of this until after the game. Did I guess we need
0: it, it, it was looked when he like tripped. the way he was moving looked like the blade broke, but you could see, you could see that there was like something, like it was like he was always standing on a black something, which so I like th- the oh. skate
2: guard strap or something.
0: Something that's what I think it was. With the sk- and you saw him try to like bend down and try to adjust it whenever he had time, which is in the NHL defensive zone, so you would never have that opportunity. Um, but yeah, it was like his skate guard just kind of snapped on him, and then he was stuck standing on the strap for two minutes as the puck went around him, and he just kind of set up shop in front of Group Hour and, and, and did it or was which game was this? Arizona. He, he set up shop instead of Franço's and, and he did his best. He never really had that many opportunities to do much because he was stuck in place. But
1: so is it the, the the whole blade and holder or just the blade?
0: I could never get a, a good like I tried to get a still during the game. Yeah. But I could never get it to stop on a frame that wasn't extremely like Bigfoot blurry. So, I don't know if if he lost the blade or if the guard broke or or what.
1: Yeah, because that was weird. i I couldn't figure out what was wrong with him at the time because I mean, you know, just from you know my TV's across the room, I can't really see the, you know that much detail on it. so
0: <clears throat> I'm sitting about two foot from a twenty four inch computer monitor, so I'm just like watching. HD in my face, so there's there's clearly something wrong, like, underneath this skate that won't get out from under it. It's like <laughs>
2: me when I'm trying to decide if that counts as a bad post or not, and I'm like two inches from my screen.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is, I didn't really realize there was anything wrong with him until... Oh, I mean, the
2: giant fun. trip over the blue line was a clue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that was happening all night long. There, if there's, you want one more reason to scratch the front office. Whoever they've got doing the ice has left it really, really rough this this last couple of weeks. There's been a lot of guys just falling yeah. down.
2: The Boston game
1: was brutal too. Like, oh, uh, it's awful. I mean, Maybe I think it's
0: that's part, of, like part of the weather changes. it was so
1: bad. Was the the puck was bouncing around like a beach they ball. Have,
3: they
0: have a lot of events this time of year, so. So magically make your ice better, front office. So
2: or who, don't, because you're gone for the next two weeks.
0: <laughs> you've you got two weeks to figure it out before you've got to play, what is it, Anaheim? Yep. So who we got coming up next week that's so terrifying a road trip? Glad I asked. All games here are on altitude if you can get it, unless I say otherwise. On Monday, the Avs play a holiday afternoon game in D.C. against the Washington Capitals. That's three Mountain in your start time. Washington have one regulation loss in six games. Then on Wednesday, it's an NBC Sports Night, and it's in Pittsburgh. So get ready to hear about Crosby and McKinnon until your ears explode. Five o'clock Mountain, that one. (laughs) Pittsburgh, 3-2-0. Then it's to Weird Country for a back-to-back Friday at 5 against the Florida Panthers and Saturday at 5 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Both teams are off to a disappointing start, Florida 1-2-2, Tampa 2-2-1, with a total beat down to the Maple Leafs under their belt, but not a lot else, will be in your ears again before they go to 3-1-1 Lewis, or St. Louis. So I'll just ask outright, is this road trip as scary as we thought it looked on paper two weeks ago?
1: No. And I never thought it, were, it was that scary, just because it's it's early season and any team can be anything at this time of year. Um... But it's, you know, I, I I think any of these teams is beatable. It's, it's, it's going to be how quickly they can gel, how quickly they can have the Why Not Us moment at their restaurant of choice in D.C., uh, which, which I guess they flew out last night, or this morning.
3: Yeah, <clears throat> this morning.
1: And I uh, agree.
3: It seems the early road trip is usually a good thing for them. They usually tend to do well. It's usually the homestand in, like, December where they just crap out.
0: (laughs) Well, Washington have been rolling, but Pittsburgh are kind of on the struggle bus a little bit. They kind of seem to be in the middle of, like, a destruction of their team kind of moment in history. And Evgeny Malkin is out long-term. Florida is Florida, and they've added a bunch of big additions that aren't apparently translating to wins. And Tampa are up and down, and they've got, you know, sometimes issues on defense, so... Like, I mean, yeah, it's just weird. I
2: mean, if you're if you, the Avs were two and two or even one and three right now, you're looking at this road trip as a you have to play 500 or better. Yeah. And now that they're four and zero, oh, it's like yeah, you know, as long as we get two wins or two wins worth of points, you'll be okay. And you
0: yeah, you always that hope that they go, go. That's doable. That, that's even expectation. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
3: Yeah, you hope that. This- you always hope they do five hundred over a stretch, I guess you could say, I think actually the pressure the hard- is kind
2: of off now, right. yeah,
3: right. They have a cushion, so it's not like if you have a bad road trip, it's bad news. I actually think the the back half of this, the part into next week, the St Louis Vegas part is probably the toughest.,
0: mm.
3: so I think they'll do okay. In the East Coast. The Pittsburgh one's weird because, like you said, they have the injuries, but there's still enough talent there. They can win whenever, so.
1: Sort of. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: I, like tomorrow's game, or could be today if you're listening in the morning, um, you know, it, it's a 3 o'clock mountain start, weird time. First road game. It's going to be Burakovsky's first game against his old team. You know, there's there's some good storylines. There, there could be some good weirdness.
2: Are we really going to let Edmonton be the last undefeated team, though? <laughs> we need yes, to Yes,
3: because doesn't that sound like it's it's so strange? You can't believe it, but it's true. Isn't that so
0: NHL? <laughs> and and like yeah, Edmonton to still comfortably miss the playoffs. <laughs> that would be sad. It's going to happen. All
1: they happen. have to do is get rid of terrible Lucic and start using James Neal properly. Oh my god. <laughs> just makes Calgary look terrible.
0: Yeah, Calgary's on the struggle bus too. So, if we're hoping for four points, what are our predictions for the next four games? And this is obviously with... We're, we're leaving out the St. Louis game on uh, on next Monday, and then... Three days off before traveling to Vegas for the end of the road trip, um, but there'll be time at home in the middle there for sure. But we'll we'll have a show next week, is my hope. Um, if that changes, I'll I'll say so on at Burgundy Radio on Twitter, and also in the Burgundy Review Discord. Um, but predictions for the next four games?
1: I'm going with six points. Um, I I think. I think they'll either lose the Washington game or one of the back-to-back. But I, I don't think they'll lose both.
3: I'll go 500. I, they'll beat Florida. They're usually good in Florida. I don't think they've ever been good in Tampa. I think they're going to lose that one. And then the Washington-Pittsburgh game, I think they could be both of them. But I, I think they'll have enough mojo to beat washington and then they'll drop one to pittsburgh it'll be close but
1: i mean what if burkey has
3: a hat trick tomorrow
0: <laughs> well then we're singing in the streets aren't we
2: i've i've then already really made two Cole super Born. saiyan clips of him he'll have to go ultra instinct at that point i think i don't
0: know <laughs> maybe we can I mean,
3: he I... doesn't so he's not Colborn.
1: no but I, I just against his former team i mean i i, I think that would be really cool If he gets out of that game by not
2: getting Tom Wilson, I'm calling it a win.
1: (laughs) I thought Tom was his buddy. He's not going to hit him. Aren't they best buds? That means he'll hit an extra.
3: Yeah. I
0: mean, until Tom doesn't see the numbers until it's too late. Because he's looking at the back of your fucking helmet.
1: (laughs) I was looking for 65, not 95, man. Sorry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, I think five points. I think this Washington game is going to be tough. Uh, I expect a win in Pittsburgh. I expect a win in Florida. Tampa's a wild card right now. Like TV said, we never seem to play them very well. But I think the Avs are in a better spot right now. Tampa seems to definitely agree with the idea that maybe we don't start hot so we can... Play our best at the end of the season this year.
3: (laughs) It's
0: true. Better strategy. So I think the Avs make it to the St. Louis game um, still with a zero in the middle of their record. I think it's overtime losses in Washington and Tampa.
2: How about that? I like it.
0: Still gets you your six points, though, doesn't it?
1: It sure does. Speaking of overtime, we never really went through the fact that they actually won an overtime game.
0: And they looked good doing it.
1: They I mean, they outshot the, they out-attempted them 7 to 1. I mean, usually and I think shots were six nothing. I mean, usually when you shoot and don't score, the puck is usually going the other way and but didn't happen.
0: Well, the whole I mean, the possession the game, was
1: way better.
0: Yeah, the, the whole problem <laughs> the whole game is Arizona takes away the whole ice because that's just what they do. They they smother and then they don't have a whole lot of talent to do much with it. That's that's how they play, high floor, low ceiling. You can't take this away the is, whole ice with three this, players.
3: This is where I'm going to say where preseason actually did something. I think the overtime games they played in preseason helped them because they didn't give up goals in preseason either. I in overtime. I don't. I, mean,
2: I don't agree with that. I don't think it mattered at all. I think were, they just were any of the guys in those games.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think all the difference in overtime last night was made in July.
2: Yes, agree. 100% there. They have a bunch of high-possession players in their depth now.
0: So na- well, I so think now they figured when, out... When Eric Johnson goes YOLO, you have Jonas Donskoy ready to kind of slow things down on the, on, on the same unit. Well, he didn't... EJ didn't even...
3: I think he was out with the third group. They were out there, didn't there to didn't have him. But I mean, he didn't go out until the third. It started with Sam, and then it went Makar. Mm -hmm. I think it was the third D out. But I think when they started figuring out how to play it more defensively near the end of last year, when at least they could get it to the shootout, so at least they weren't losing it in overtime, they are at least giving themselves a chance in the shootout. I think that's when they started doing better at it. But I think...
1: That's Just, totally not what they did last night, though. I mean, they shot the puck six times and got it on net. I, I mean, know, that's... but
3: I th- I think them sort of practicing, practicing it in preseason helped.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the key was puck recapture. Like, they shot it, and then someone else was like, oh, I, I should be right here, and then the puck will come to me, and then we don't lose it and have a two-on-one going the other way, and that worked.
3: Yeah, Benar said not having the terrible changes helped,
0: too. Mm-hmm. Yeah funny how that happens and then just Bloody
1: and, change when you have the puck <laughs> and just,
0: I, I, I love him and the team misses him but in overtime tyson berry was a liability all last season
2: yeah. Yeah, it's. i mean it was interesting because sam struggled in overtime last year at times as well big time but it seemed like obviously Gerard getting the secondary assist on the goal. He almost had this revelation that he was like, wow, instead of forcing stupid passes, I can just skate with it forever when there's only three players on the other team. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> well, also, he didn't get hung out to dry defending one on one or two on one.
0: Yeah, that too. So it definitely improvements on the overtime. And that shot from Burakowski, holy crap!
1: Yeah. I mean, I you know, we said it a million times last year. If they could just go 500 in overtime, uh, they would have been a lot better off and clinched a whole lot earlier. If uh, they
0: had just been 500 in overtime, they would not have been a wild card.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's not a huge mark to shoot for, but it would be a great improvement over last season. So, I like it. It's promising.
0: All right, so... That brings us, I think, to uh, to the end of our first regular season episode of the year. Um, I've, I've said it a couple of times without actually making any concrete plans with the other people that I expect to join me, um, but we should be back next week um, at our normal time, and then it'll probably be two weeks after that, just based on the way the schedule looks. Um, but whether it's 4 points, 6 points, 8 points, 0 points, you can find out here. Um, you can catch the show on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash burgundyradio or on, uh, I guess it's called Apple Podcasts now or on Google Play or on uh, Spotify, your favorite RSS-based podcatcher. We're, we're all over the place. Um, every show is posted on burgundyreview.com. You can leave comments there if you want to. I'm more likely to see them if you tweet them at burgundyradio where I've been uh, actually using that account this season. So that's a big step for me up to the dirty areas, and we will see you next week. Scores! Scores! Surely! That's gotta be it! <laughs> I
2: have every schedule. Abs, Eagles, and every prospect on my home screen.
3: Are you posting a picture? well
0: that's, yeah. that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Let me yeah. see. There's some weird-ass Canadian names. Kamloops is up there.
2: None of the good Q teams are on
0: there this time. And then the weirdest of all is the team named after a person, the Brandon Wheat Kings. <laughs> Who the fuck is Brandon? It's in Manitoba. Uh,
2: some dude moved to Canada I was like, Yep. <laughs> this is Brandon. You want to know where Brandon is? He's in fucking Brandon.
0: that's what the texas panhandle is like when you if you drive down i-40 across the texas panhandle you'll just see like dozens of towns go by that are just a family last name and you can just guess that half the population has that last name
3: (laughs) (laughs) and that's really all the college
2: no not including notre dame and penn state
3: okay because you're just
2: protesting those no well